This is Connected, episode 177. <laughs> it is brought to you by our sponsors, Squarespace, Pingdom, and Timing. My name is Stephen Hackett. This is a terrible intro, and I'm joined by my co-host, uh, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well. And Federico, are you still with us? Hi, yes. Is this an, an NPR show? It felt like one. Uh, your intro and all that. Very calm introduction. We're going to talk about policies and mm-hmm. tax incentives. Our next segment is about asparagus farming in rural whatever state asparagus is born in. Okay, Boom. we have follow-up. We start with follow-up at the beginning. I think we need to give some context to people as to, to, to what the heck is going on right now. I think it's fine. I think we just blast right through this. Okay, great. Today is Wednesday, January 24th. This is our <laughs> new day. Do you need to give us the date? <laughs> yeah, every, there's no rules anymore. Five years of show history evaporated, Federico, when you changed the day of the show. Oh, it's all gone. Uh, <laughs> so basically, every time you do the show, you need to remind people that it's Wednesday because they don't know. Yeah. Well, today's the first Wednesday. You, so you don't want to change days and not walk people through that, that life change. So sure. today's Wednesday. And mm. next time we do the show, it will also be Wednesday and then it'll be normal. So it's just a couple of weeks of transition. It's our new time. And uh, and it's fine. The other big transition is that Stephen is now taking over the production of the show, uh, hence why he's now introducing the show. Stephen is the host of Connected Now Forever. <laughs> if there's any editing problems, 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 though, that week I didn't do it. And uh, you can just tweet at iMic. <laughs> yeah, that was me that week. That was me that week. Okay, so let's do follow-up. We're going to start with Meltdown, everyone's favorite CPU vulnerability. Mm. Apple has patched uh, Mac OS 10.11, 10.12, and 10.13 uh, as of this week. So there's a High Sierra 10.13.3 update and a security update for the older OSs. Uh, there's also new Safari versions for 10.11, 12, and 13 that take care of the Spectre side of things. So if you're on something older than 10.11, it's probably time. I mean, unless you have something that's really keeping you on 10.9 or earlier, uh, I think at this point it's it's probably okay to, to upgrade because uh, this is a pretty big deal. So um, I'm glad Apple went back to 10.11. Usually they only support the current OS on one back. Sometimes they go two back for some stuff, um, but I'm really glad they've done this. And um, if you're running 10.11, 12, or 13, you know, when you get a second hit software update in the Mac App Store because there are things waiting for you and then you'll be more secure. It's good. Yeah. Way to go. I'm kind of disappointed. Because I upgraded to High Sierra because of this. Yes. Although I will say, upgrading to High Sierra fixed a login items bug for me. So that was good. <laughs> Basically, for the last maybe six months, every time I turn on my iMac, which is every day, because I always just turn my iMac off. The reason I do this is because my USB device, so like the, the, the it's called the USB Pre 2, it's like the audio device that I plug my microphone mm-hmm. into. Yes, me too. It stays on if my iMac is sleeping and I don't like that. Uh, I just don't want it to stay on because I it was an, ex- it's an expensive piece of equipment and I just get concerned about its lifetime if it's on yeah. 24 seven. <laughs> so I, so yeah. I, I turn my iMac off every day. Um, so basically every time I turn my iMac on, I had to open Text Expander, Dropbox and Alfred every single time. Oh gosh. Mm. Um, and nothing that I could do, even using Stephen Hackett's wise skills, could fix this. But upgrading to High Sierra did fix it. So I got that. 
Man, you you have far fewer login items than I do. No, no, I have, I have like maybe eight or nine login items, but just those three, no matter what I did, <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> wouldn't work. Everything else worked. Just those three wouldn't work. So, so that was fun. You, you turn off your iMac. I, I I honestly I didn't think you did that. Um, but it, I mean, it makes sense if you don't use it often. It just reminded me as you were talking about the fact you turn off your computer. Uh, when when I was yeah. when I was younger, when I was a kid, my my father was obsessed with uh, turning off electronics at night, and uh, f- like there was a period of time, I I think he, he read it on a newspaper or something that even all those LEDs that you get on televisions and like the answering machine or computers, basically anything, uh, needed to be turned off at night. And that was really inconvenient for me because also, you know, maybe I left my computer to download something. It was in the early days of, you know, downloading MP3s and stuff from the internet. Uh, or, for example, my PlayStation. And suddenly my dad, in the middle of the night, like 2 a.m., because he also suffered for insomnia or something, he couldn't sleep. He would just basically walk into my room and turn off turn off anything he could find. And um, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was terrible. It's like you see this guy walking into your room in the middle of the night, turning off and unplugging stuff while also talking, you know, and saying things like, "Oh, you know, he never turns off anything here." <laughs> and and I, and I was really upset. I would be like, "Dad, please keep my computer on because I'm downloading songs." And I was like, "You need to listen to song to songs on music tapes, not on a computer." Uh, it was a really, I was a really a struggling, uh, you know technology enthusiast when i was younger and my dad was really upset about all the electronics turn out at night and this is something that has stuck with me uh so whenever someone mentions um turning off computers i get kind of triggered uh for that memory so thanks mike um Hmm. yeah well i mean at least i'm not sneaking around i mean i know what i'm gonna do to you next time we share a room I'm just gonna turn off everything. <laughs> it was real creepy. It would, it would like unplug stuff with, and I could feel that that he was angry about it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna it was do that to just you. 100%. Yanking cables out of the wall. Yeah, you'll wake wow. up in the um, morning and like your phone has been turned off, like just straight <laughs> up. It's just off. <laughs> Apple Watch is off. Everything's off. <laughs> this is my nightmare. This is my nightmare scenario. My nightmare <laughs> vacation is my roommate. You've given me too much off. power here, man. You shouldn't have told me this. We share rooms every year. Like I'm gonna <sighs> turn all your stuff off. God. Anyway. Yeah, I wanted to do a little follow out to episode thirty nine of App Stories, uh, Federico. I'm mm. not sure if you know this. That's another podcast that you do. <laughs> it's a podcast I do. <laughs> it is a great podcast that I enjoy very much. And I just want to say, it is not a Relay FM show. And and we get, I get oh. this a lot. And I just want everyone to know, not that I wouldn't be proud of it. Uh, it's just not right. Like the, I feel like all the time people ask me questions. Somebody said to me a few days ago, "Why did you cancel App Stories?" I was like, "I didn't." What are you Because <laughs> he couldn't find it. Someone couldn't find it on the Real FM website. Uh, oh, I can understand why people would think it because Federico has three <laughs> shows on Real yeah. FM, but yeah. this just isn't. This because this is the Max Stories production. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I uh, when John sent us the tweet of someone saying, "Why did you cancel App Stories?" It's like, oh god. <laughs> I'm sorry to all the App Stories listeners. I thought we would get this question, but not to the point where, <laughs> "Why did you cancel App Stories?" <laughs> it's so much fear in that person. So at least you know they love your show. It is a good show. So this episode, most recent episode, was about the 
the Mac App Store. It is, um, I, I don't know what the right word is, um, stagnant, forgotten, depressing. It's not great. And the two of you talk about maybe some solutions to that. And I think that it was it was really great, especially in light of this story, the sort of like background radiation to everything right now that iOS and Mac OS apps are going to join forces somehow or be on a shared framework or be one unit. No one really knows. But I thought it was really good. And I want to point listeners to that because um, I think if you like Connected, I think you're going to like app stories. But in particular, this episode was um, I thought really insightful about something that we don't talk about very much. So, mm-hmm. oh, thank you. I've actually enjoyed the last three episodes quite a lot. Not that they're not all good, but like just the last three, I remember enjoying. Oh, thank you, quite a lot. One of them included friend of the show James Thompson, which mm. is a nice segue into our next follow-up item. I received a box at home today. Um, I opened the box and found a trophy inside the box. Uh, because I finished the year as the fastest uh, completion person. What is it like? What I have the fastest time in level one of the Peacock game that's inside of the about screen. And uh, James sent me a trophy. I've never had a trophy for anything. This is my first ever trophy. It's really sad. It's okay. I'm not very sporty. Um, and I'm very proud of this because I put a lot of time into becoming the fastest at the, yeah. the, the game level. And I am the winner. I am the winner forever. Um, and I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who helped make this possible for me. Oh, congratulations, Mike. Like, like who? Uh... You're not going to name them on the air? That's kind of kind of rude. <laughs> well, I, as I said in my tweet, uh, Craig Federighi, uh, Stig, my parents, uh, uh, and James see- Thompson. I couldn't understand because I think there was a typo in... in oh, no, co- sorry. You, I didn't pronounce it right. It's uh, Craig Federghi. He's my, oh, so, uh, dri- he's he's my driving person. tutor. It's my driving tutor. It's, you, you would think it would that what I was trying to say was Craig Federighi is like a funny joke about Apple, but I yeah. was just legitimately thanking my driving coach, Craig Federghi. So this is a joke, right? I'm not getting the joke, but it's a joke. What's the joke? Craig Federghi. It's my, like, driving, it- my driving coach. <laughs> It's just a funny coincidence. You, you do, do you have a driving coach? You don't have yeah, a driving coach. Yeah, his name is Craig Federgi. I, told you, I just told no. you. No. This is British humor. This is British humor that I don't get. <laughs> this no, it's is just a perfect... bad joke. <laughs> it's only like, British. I think it's a good joke. I think there's lots of people that are laughing at this, but you guys just don't get it. Yeah, yeah. But I got a real trophy. It's a real trophy. It's got my name on it, and it's sitting up on my mantle with an orange brain ball. Thank you, James. I'm happy for you, Mike. I know that you care about the game a lot. I saw a, I saw a story in TechCrunch. Um, the Amazon Alexa app for Android uh, will now have the Alexa Smart Assistant built into it, as well as just being an application that is for managing your devices. So this is apparently coming to iOS soon. But one of the benefits of doing this on Android, and probably the reason that they did it first, is that some devices will allow you to summon Alexa from any, like, with your device being shut off or whatever, right? Like, you can have your, like, like you would be asking for Google Assistant or Siri. Right. You can set not only default apps, but, like, default voice assistants. Yep. So... This is interesting. It's coming to iOS in some way, probably just like how the Google Assistant app works, right? Where you can just open the app and just give it a command. I mean, it's a good thing to have, I guess, like just so you've got it. 
Um, but really, more than anything, I just want them to do some work to refine the janky iOS app. Like, it's the the Alexa app is like just not very well refined. It's just not yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting because I I um, I've used uh, third party uh, Alec, um, Amazon Echo <laughs> um, apps uh, that like use the uh, voice service API to let you issue commands, and they tend to support most most of the functionality that you would get from an actual speaker, but mm-hmm. they don't have, you know, stuff like Spotify, for example, or some, I think some of them do not offer the um, voice brief um, briefing feature. So I want to see if Amazon is able to bring the actual complete feature set from the act- from the sp- from the physical speaker onto the 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 iPhone version I'm surprised that it's becoming part of the Alexa app um that are said it I'm sorry um because I I see that app as the configuration screen basically for the Amazon Echo speakers and all the skills and to have the assistant built in I would have liked I think a separate utility that is just like a microphone that shows you what is going on when you speak. So maybe it's an opportunity to improve the the native app, or maybe it's just more clutter into the into the Amazon app. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yep. I mean, I guess it's like a way. I guess it's some kind of way for people that don't have the devices to try it out. Maybe. Yeah, like a demo. Yeah. Yeah, but like I don't. I don't know if people would really do that. But I guess it's one of those things where it's like, well, if mm. we can do it, why would you yeah. not try it? I mean, it's the functionality on, on the phone is limited anyway, uh, because it really, it's more meant to, you know, this these the the Amazon assistant assistant is more uh, is meant to be used in actual speakers around the house. So it's like it is like a demo on the smartphone yeah. anyway. Also, because on on the iPhone, as you mentioned, you don't, you don't get the full access. Like you cannot change the default assistant. So it's like it's another app you need to open, kind of like the Google mm-hmm. Voice Search and the Google Assistant. You need to open that. And yes, you can save time with 3D Touch shortcuts and widgets and stuff like that. No. But it's never gonna be as um, easy as Siri. So I want to try it out. I want to see. I want to see what it's like. Mostly, I'm interested in whether they redo the design of the of the of the official app or not. I just want it to be to be a better app. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm not optimistic about it. (laughs) Me either. All right. Mm. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Squarespace. Use the offer code World Checkout and you'll get ten percent off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create the website that you want for your next idea or project. Or event. They do great. They have fantastic templates. There's tons of great templates, Squarespace. They're all award-winning and they're beautiful and really customizable. But they have some that are like purpose-built for certain things like weddings or businesses or bands or portfolios. You know, so you can use any of them for anything. But the, the, the templates that they set up are really, really great. And they have even some of them like so i mean i'm obviously i'm using it for our wedding website that we're setting up which is why i'm so well versed in understanding this right now but they even give you in some of the templates like a f- a structure of pages 
So you know all of the types of pages you're going to need. Like you're going to need an RSVP page. You're going to need a gifts and registry page. You're going to need a locations page, right? And it's like, oh, thanks, Squarespace. Now I don't have to think about all of the pages that I'm going to have to use because you've included them for me. It's really awesome. But you can blow all that stuff away and completely customize it to your heart's content. You can grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning 24-7 customer support, and without having to worry about installing anything, patching anything, upgrading anything squarespace is the all-in-one platform that takes care of that stuff for you now plans start at just 12 dollars a month but you can start a trial today with no credit card required just by going to squarespace.com and use the offer code world when you sign up and you'll get 10 percent off your first purchase and show your support for this show our thanks to squarespace for their continued support of this show and relay fm squarespace make your next move make your next website and moving the show to uh to Wednesday, we have a bunch of news to talk about that we would have missed otherwise. So I mean, it's lucky coincidence, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. Uh, st- starting yeah, yeah. first, yeah. we have the HomePod is available for pre-order on Friday, January 26th in the US, UK, and Australia. And it ships Friday, February 9th. So, uh, so two weeks later. Mm. Uh, what do you guys? What do you guys think about this? I feel like the reaction to this has been very subdued, at least in our circles. Mm, well, I think it, it is strange that we still don't know m- many of the details we wanted to know about this product, and I think there's a there's this um this, this problem with a lot of folks who are saying, "Well, this is just a plain boring speaker by Apple." And it's basically the new iPod Hi-Fi. Do not expect uh, anything magical or mysterious suddenly appearing when you get one. And there's the other side that says, clearly we don't know enough about this product. There must be features that Apple has not told us about. And it, and even though it is strange that we haven't seen you know um, embargoed reviews uh, from, for example, uh, you know high-profile audio, you know some very specific audio blogs for example um so there's people who tend to believe uh, we're going to see multi-user support. We're going to see you know, more details about uh, how it works with your local iTunes library. And there's those who think, no, this is just a speaker. That's what it is. They do not support you know, the new AirPlay 2 stuff at launch. They do not support even stereo mode. And this is all you get. It's just a speaker. And it's not going to have multi-user. It's not going to have all the other things that you think it will have. Um, I don't know what I think. I think I'm gonna get one, so I'm gonna try. Um, uh, John is gonna get one in the U.S. for me, and he's gonna ship it to me. I'm gonna spend a lot of money, but I really want this product because I need to write about it and I need to talk about it. Uh, because having thoughts, you know, having hot takes is really important for our businesses. And so um, I'm I'm excited about the idea of having an easy way to stream music to the speaker using the control center UI that does not require Bluetooth, but that's uh, not good enough of a reason to justify this kind of purchase. So I'm curious to try the SiriKit stuff. I want to see how well it works with HomeKit. I want to see how well it works with Things, for example, which is my task manager that supports uh, SiriKit. Um, I don't think we'll get like when you get when you take the HomePod out of the box, you will realize oh this thing supports multi-user and supports you know a bunch of things that Apple didn't tell us about. So I tend to fall more on the other side of the discussion of this is what you get. Apple has a press release, you will not get what it's not in the press release. Yep. 
I am, I would say, <laughs> to give you a number, if this can be quantified, 60% excited <laughs> about the HomePod. <laughs> I'm not sure how else we can, we can, um, moderate, uh, moderate I can quantify this. Moderate to not excited is, uh, I guess, 60%. Yes. Uh, Steve Troutsmith summed this up really nicely in a tweet. He said, HomePod is only mysterious if you're still hoping it has secret features Apple hasn't announced. Reality is, it's yeah, just a straightforward, yeah. <laughs> boring product that does just what it says on the marketing page and eight, month, eight months later, still unable to ship with all the features advertised. I liked that, that summary because yeah, yeah. it's like you're saying about like um, multi-user features, like what else? Oh, like people digging through the pages. What, what other secret things? The answer is none. It's It's... It is a product which didn't have a lot of features to begin with and has less when it launches than we even expected because there's no AirPlay 2 support, um, which is very strange. Mm -hmm. That is something which I've really been trying to like get my head around. Like, why are they, why are they doing this? Why are they releasing a product that was already late without one of the core features? It seems strange to me. It it is strange. I I cannot get my head around why do they feel the urge to release this product now. My only theory is that the it's been you know the production line is ready. These devices are ready to be manufactured, and the AirPlay two um, release date. Um, you know, Apple said later this year. I don't think it means what a lot of people think it means. I don't think it means October. I don't think it means iOS 12. I think it means iOS 11.3 at some point. Uh, it's not in the beta one that was just seeded to developers today. But if you look in the release notes, it seems to imply that Siri control for AirPlay 2 is not available in this beta, but will be later on. So my only theory is that Apple really wants to release this product now because they want to clear the deck for whatever it is that they have coming next and airplay 2 will not be will not be delayed by six or seven months but just by like uh, one to two months whatever the beta time for 11.3 is so from that perspective it's still strange but if it's not october uh then it, i can see why it might make sense i mean i would i would use those same facts the other direction that if airplay 2 and all this stuff is only six to eight weeks out then hold the product six to eight weeks and then ship something that does what you said it would do like i, I think it's mm. going to be i mean it may be in 11.3 at some point but i don't think it's i don't think it's that soon or i mean why would you go through all of the the negativity that this product is going through this week yeah if just waiting another month, you're already behind. You already missed the year. You know why go through a second round of of disappointment from users and pundits? The lead of every review is going to talk about the fact that this product is half baked. Yep. Like yes. that is the story for every single website's review. Is that it is a half baked half baked product, which was always half baked to begin with. Right, because mm -hmm. Siri is only doing so much compared to its competitors. Right, like they, it mm -hmm. isn't even full Siri in there. Right, there's like some, there's like weird yeah. things that it does and doesn't do. So it was that was where it was starting from, and now it's starting even further back from that because there are significant features that 
do not work. And I mean, like, so here's the thing. One of the big things is like stereo mode and multi-room audio, right? Which mm-hmm. by and large probably isn't that important because how many people are buying multiple ones of these immediately? And I know that the multi-room audio works with existing products, but like the people that have those already have those products anyway in their homes, right? So like mm-hmm. they probably have an existing system which already has multi-room audio. So it's not about right. like what you're getting and what you're not getting. It's like the story of the entire product. And the story of this product is it is not finished. So why is it being shipped? Like it is not a new version of a product. It doesn't compete with anything else that Apple makes. It is this whole, wholly contained thing, which is like a new slice of their music business. Nothing is pushing them Mm -hmm. on this. Like if, the best they're ever going to do for this product from a PR perspective is a press release. It could come out at any time. Right? Yeah. It's not like they had well, an event for this two weeks ago thinking Airplay 2 was going to be done by now and they realize it's not, but now they've had the event so they've got to ship it. Like, this was a product that literally nobody has seen outside of the original demos at wwdc which from what we can understand from the people that attended those were very stripped down you couldn't touch it couldn't talk to it could only listen to it like that's all we've had nobody else has seen it there's been no other communication about it except that it was going to be delayed and now like here it is just pooped out to the world right it's just like a hit ah there you go oh by the way it doesn't work properly (laughs) it's weird well those who defend Apple on a regular basis will tell you that this product shouldn't be reviewed or considered from a Siri perspective but as a high-end audio perspective and from that point of view Apple really wanted to make a high-end speaker and they made one and now they're launching this speaker and that is a, pers- uh, a point of view that I really do not understand because... Well, my, my argument on that would be a high-end speaker in 2018 would support some kind of multi-room audio. Exactly. And um, I highly doubt that, you know, a consumer company like Apple uh, that is pushing this speaker with Siri functionality really thinks that high-end audio is not a niche. Um, and that actually the majority of their users would be interested in stuff like Siri controls or HomeKit. And I, I don't see any of my friends or any of my, you know, the, the people I know being really interested in, oh, well, I'm going to the electronics store because I'm buying a high-end audio, uh, high-end audio device, a high-end speaker. It's just not something that normal people say or well, think realistically, or realistically, like, the people, are people not just listening to music from their phone speakers now? Like, right? Yes. Is that not just what people do? I feel mm-hmm. like that's what people do. Yeah. Um, Stephen, I have a question for you. Can Apple just not find a way to make successful products that play audio? Right? Like, is this just iPod Hi-Fi 2? Is that what this is? I, hope, I mean, I hope not, because that did not go very well. Uh, the Hi-Fi, by the way, sounds great. Jason Snell has one. I have one. We both use ours on a regular basis. They're great. But you, use it, you just plug it in and use it as like an aux speaker, right? Is that how that mm-hmm. works? Yeah, okay. yeah. Yep. Um, 
I mean, I have a bunch of old iPods I could put in the top, but I don't. The the thing that, I mean, I get, I sort of get the joke, but I think there's something to this, like Apple, the idea of Apple entering an existing category, like they, like when they introduced the iPod Hi-Fi, they had like a, like a Bose sound dock on stage. They're like, we're going to sound better than that. And, you know, for the same money or less. And, and it didn't work. But then they do that with something like music players or smartphones and it does work. So the question is, which side of the divide does the HomePod fall on? And, you know, I don't know because the iPhone and the iPod all started out as really simple products and they became more mature. They didn't do all the things that other smartphones or other music players did. But the HomePod feels like it's really behind, like right out of the gate. And I think the thing that's most concerning to me is not the music streaming. Like, so they use Apple Music and all these other devices you can use, you know, Google Play Music or Amazon's music, or you can swap in Spotify or use other services, or the HomePod is only Apple Music. I'm not particularly worried about that. What I am worried about, though, is the performance of Siri on this thing. And Siri can be really frustrating on your phone or on your watch. And the Echo, and um, I don't have much experience with the Google Home products, but my understanding is the Google Home products as well work really well with voice stuff. They, they, they understand what you say, no matter where you are in the room, and they they turn that into action like in the correct way. And how many times have we all asked Siri to do something and it just responds, I'm sorry, I can't find this. And it's some garbled mess of words that sort of sound like what you said. And for a device that is primarily operated by your voice, Apple's voice stuff isn't as good as these other companies. And that's really, I think, at the heart of your question, Mike, of is this going to be the Hi-Fi 2.0? I think it's going to come down to what is the Siri experience. And I have no doubt that the HomePod is going to be able to hear people well. It has like six microphones around it, just like the Echo and these other products do. I have no doubt the hardware is in there for it to hear what I say. Yeah, I bet that this device gets you more correctly more of the time because it has a hardware advantage that the phones and watches and iPads cannot have, right? Like a microphone array is a very different experience, right? Like that, and and I expect that the HomePod will hear you and understand you way better. But But imagine if it doesn't though, right? Like, I know that's what you're getting at. And Steven. hearing is different than understanding. And that's where, I mean, like, like the watch, for instance, it I think it always hears what I say. But then what does Siri, the server side component or the logic component, what does that do with it? And that's, I think, where Apple is is behind. And so I'm, I'm very curious about how that plays out. People, I feel like, and, and this may just be based on my own experience, but I feel like when Siri gets things wrong, people get really frustrated. I think often because Siri is cute about it, which I think is the wrong approach. I don't feel that same level of frustration when my Echo misunderstands me or is unable to do what I asked it. And I think the HomePod is going to suffer from that existing low-level frustration people have with Siri. And I think for a lot of people, it's just going to turn them off. I mean, I think uh, I was actually speaking to a friend last night about it because he had seen the news and he's not big into tech. I think he has like an, you know, he's nerdy enough to know what I do and understand it, but he's not, he's not real hardcore. And this was kind of his thought process was like, you know, Siri's sort of garbage on my phone. So why would I want to buy a speaker with Siri in it? And I was like, you know what? That's a really legitimate question. And I think Apple has to prove that they can get it right. 
something that I'm interested to want to see how this works, right? Like my my expectation is you say hello there Siri, play Fleetwood Mac and <laughs> that is expected them for the home pod to just start playing music right like that's what i would yes. expect it to do let's say i'm in my kitchen very frequently between me and my kitchen like for, say like from my kitchen to where i would put a home pod maybe next to my tv there is like a a minefield of ios devices right <laughs> i have one attached mm, to my wrist one right. in my pocket and then maybe two ipads and if adina's home another phone in between where I would be and where the HomePod would be. How is that going to work? I'm really interested to see what they what what the plan is that like if a HomePod is attached to your Apple ID or whatever or if like your phone knows that a HomePod is nearby, does it prioritize the HomePod? Like I'm because if I that would be really annoying, right? Like if I was asking it and like cause for example with my with my Echoes Standing in certain places in my house, I might get picked up by the one that I don't want it to pick me up on. Mm-hmm. And that's really annoying. Yeah. But I only have like yeah. two or three of those. And they're like stretched throughout the house. But in the same room that I would be controlling my HomePod, there are multiple iOS devices. So I'm, I'm keen to see how that works. I think it, um, it should probably um, do like if there's a HomePod on the network... Um, and then if it establishes that uh, the the iPhone is nearby, but the HomePod can hear you, in just a fraction of a second, it should activate the HomePod by default. Um, so there should be like a two-step check. Uh, first is the HomePod on the network, and then is the iPhone uh, nearby, and can the HomePod pick up your voice better than the than the iPhone? So that's a that's you know that's a very complex kind of setup of technology of being able to get this right. Um, I cannot complain about how the voice activation for Siri works when you have multiple iOS devices in front of you. It seems to be working quite well for me, and it tends to go to the active device that I'm actually using. Uh, so I'm optimistic that this basic stuff is gonna work. What concerns me the most is the Siri Kit stuff for third-party apps and the way that, um, for example, I don't want to be in the situation where I'm trying to save a task in things and it doesn't work because the communication with the iPhone is broken. Do we know like how much computation the HomePod is actually doing? Like, If there is no phone, what can it do? Well, no Siri kit. So, so it will be able to control music and do basic things, but like, if I want to ask to add a task to things or yeah. if I want to order a lift mm-hmm. none of that will work no no uh, because the iPhone with the actual brain for SiriKit with the actual apps is not around and that's the problem with SiriKit that it depends on software being locally installed on your device it's not like talking to a server and that's the big problem so like if if i'm not around what i want to know is if i'm not around my iphone is with me but my ipad is at home and sylvia decides i should put a task in federico's task manager and she talks to the home pod i'm not around the ipad with things on it is does it work uh, the question, uh, my question would be, does it allow Sylvia, who is another voice talking to the HomePod, um, does it give her access to SiriKit? And second, does it 
does he know that I'm not around, but the iPad is? Is it able to say Federico is not around, but one of his devices is? Uh, so I would assume that it's not. It's uh, it's an iPad, so the iPad does not talk to the HomePod. It's just one iPhone. But what if I have multiple iPhones? I would assume that just one iPhone can be the admin iPhone. So my uh, answer would be it will not work when I'm not around, even if I have multiple devices, even if I have multiple iPhones, because just one iPhone can be the administrator device for the HomePod and I need to be home. But if I'm home and Sylvia talks to it, then I think it will work, which is a, you know, an, a whole other problem about multi-user access and all that. So how are we going to find out the answers to these questions? How, how are we going to do this? Well, we're going to, Stephen and I, we're going to run some tests. And, okay. uh, we're, You're both we're, buying these then, right? You've decided yes, that? Yes. Okay. I thought I was going to get a, a white one, but I think Apple slightly updated the black uh, color, fabric, whatever, and they have new marketing photos. I think it looks much, much better. It's actual black, not dark space gray as before. So I'm going to get the black one, also because it blends in better with the furniture in my kitchen slash living room. Uh, and I will ask uh, Sylvia to help me with tests. I will perform multiple scenarios where I pretend to be sleeping and Sylvia is asking questions to the HomePod. I leave my iPhone at home. I walk out of the house with my iPhone, see what happens. I'll run a whole bunch of tests for you, Mike. So this is like two weeks away for it yeah. ships. Is that right? And Stephen, you're still going to buy one? I am really... Because I, I, like Federico, I feel like I need to talk about it for work. So we're an Apple Music family, but we have a bunch of Amazon Echoes. And so I pay for the whatever it is, whatever it is, like five bucks a month um, Amazon like Echo only streaming plan. And honestly, guys, it's it's good. Like, I don't think we've had hardly anything asked of the Echo that it can't play. It, it does a, a really good job. And so I'm not looking to replace the Echo, but that is going to be, I think, my approach and my review is, hey, I unplugged my Echo and I put this in its place in the kitchen. Did my family murder me? Um, thankfully, all of our smart home stuff is both HomeKit and Echo compatible, so it's not like we're going to lose access to that sort of stuff. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna swap it in for, for our, our kitchen Echo and just see see how it goes because. I mean, even as recently as iOS 11.2.5 is the new version, uh, one of the things we use all the time is now part of Siri. We say, hey, uh, assistant voice, ask or, you know, tell me the news, right? And so it plays a four-minute NPR news thing and then says the weather. We use that on our Echo all the time. And now Siri can do that. And, and so that was kind of one of those things on my mental checklist of what do we ask the Echo all the time? that the HomePod can't do. And so I think for our purposes, it will it will do probably everything we want it to do, but I'm curious uh, how well it does it and if it's frustrating. And, you know, the Echo does a pretty good job at reading web content. So if you ask it sort of data questions, it can go out and read stuff from the internet and Siri doesn't do that very well uh, unless you're kind of in default categories. So... I'm going to replace my Echo in the kitchen uh, and see what happens. And um, if I never come back on the show, it's because my family murdered me for it. I'm, I'm, I'm very keen to see how you two get on with it. Mm -hmm. um, 
because I really, I don't know what to think about it. So I'm looking forward to hearing more about that in a couple of weeks from you both. Yeah, I, I should say, before we move on to the next segment, I've been liking Siri lately. I know that it's still dumb and it drives me crazy every single time. Like today I wanted to text John and couldn't get like a simple uh, sentence right. Um, but it works um, most of the time. Just when it doesn't, I'm upset. But, you know, for controlling lights, listening, you know, streaming Apple Music, because, yes, I still use both Spotify and Apple Music. Um, reading, uh, you know, like the other day, I, I wanted to see what was going on because I hadn't watched TV or read, you know, news websites for a while. And so I asked, uh, what's uh, show me the popular news. And it worked. Um, so I... I use it more than I use it more than ever, uh, which is not a lot, but also more than zero times a day. So um, I think it needs to get Siri needs to get a lot better uh, at the very basics, at chaining multiple commands together. There's a bunch of improvements that I, that I want Siri to you know to go through, but um, I'm looking forward to the HomePod also because my experience with Siri lately hasn't been as terrible as in the past. So we'll see how it goes. All right, so stay tuned. This week's episode is brought to you by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash RelayFM. When you do, you'll get a 14-day free trial just by going to that URL and then enter the offer code CONNECTED at checkout and you'll get a huge 30% of your first invoice. Pingdom is all about giving you a bit of peace of mind. If you run a website, you know sometimes things break. And one of the worst things to happen if your website goes down or something breaks on your website is for you to check Twitter and two hours ago, people were tweeting at you because they couldn't get to what they what they wanted. That stuff is so frustrating because you feel like you've let people down or you feel like now the pressure is on because everybody's trying to get it. You just don't want to have to do any of that. That's why you need Pingdom. Pingdom use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every single minute. And if something breaks, they will alert you. There are a bunch of different ways that you can choose. You can choose push notification via their app, text message, email, whatever works for you, they can do it. They can send you all of those if you want, if you want to make sure that you're 100% covered of any outages. Then once you know something's wrong, you can go in and fix the error before it affects you. Stuff breaks on the internet all day, every day. Pingdom detect 13 million outages a month. This is just of the websites that they monitor. So the, the sheer scale of things breaking online is very, very frequent. Whether you have a small website or a complete infrastructure, it is important to monitor availability and performance because otherwise, why do you even have the website if nobody can get to it? Pingdom isn't just about monitoring the, the entire website as like a binary thing, up or down. It can also... Look at contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functions. Because our websites are made up of all these dependencies that can all independently go wrong now, they make sure that they monitor all of it for you. You don't want to be caught when your site is down and somebody's trying to get there. You don't want that. That's why you need Pingdom. Check it out today and you'll be the first to know when something goes wrong. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial and use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a fantastic 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their continued support of this show and RelayFM. All right, so today, as we record this, which is the 24th of January, uh, Apple released uh, something on the, the PR newsroom about iOS 11.3. 
which is coming sometime in the spring. There is a developer beta available now. Um, it includes in it some stuff that we expected, some stuff we could have guessed, and some brand new things all in all. So, Federico, I know that you uh, you you got out the quill today and put your blogging hat back on and, and you, you uh-huh. <laughs> wrote up some of the changes over at Mac Stories. So one of the things um, that is happened, one of the things that is coming of 11.3 that Apple detailed today is ARKit 1.5. Yes. What will ARKit 1.5 enable uh, in AR apps? Um, it'll fix one of the most popular complaints that uh, developers of the original ARKit reported last year, which was the lack of support for recognizing and placing objects on vertical surfaces instead of horizontal ones. The first AR kit only supported horizontal surfaces like um, tables or chairs or something like that. Now AR kit 1.5 will support recognizing walls, doors, anything that is vertical. Uh, it'll be able to recognize and place uh, graphics on. Uh, in addition to that, um, the Apple is adding support for recognizing 2D images. They say things like signs, posters, um, you know, something that is recognized as a as a 2D image uh, can be can be fed to the ARKit engine, and developers will be able to uh, use that information to overlay graphics and you know do crazy things mm. with being a. One of the examples that Apple provided was like an interactive museum experience where as you're walking around, you're pointing the iPhone at some, like a painting on the wall and uh, the painting gets recognized and you get custom graphics around it like explanations or animations or more details. You know, stuff that we tend to see in, you know, kind of like in usually in sci-fi movies of you move around and you see this kind of virtual reality mixing in with the graphics on your phone uh, seen by the camera. Well, I mean, this is the use case that people imagine. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's uh, the kind of uh, idea of I'm pointing my phone at something and these custom graphics and details and information is also available on the screen. And to make that happen... So is this a mix of ARKit and CoreML? Uh, I don't know. See, that's okay. what I don't know. Apple says that the 2D images get recognized by advanced computer vision techniques, which should mean that the vision framework is also involved, because that's what the vision framework could do, recognize rectangles, for example. And I would assume that developers then need to, uh, like if you're a museum and you're working on a custom ARK app for your exhibition, you would have to implement so- something like beacons, for example, to say the user is standing near to this painting and we see a rectangle in the camera then we can infer that this is, in, this is indeed the painting we assume it is. So stuff mm-hmm. like that should be possible. Um, also Apple says that the camera uh, should be sharper and more responsive because uh, there's a doubled resolution and autofocus is also available in the AR kit camera mode. So uh, nice improvements to see before iOS 12. Uh, I'm surprised to see vertical surfaces this year, so that that's great. Yeah, I'm happy about that actually. I think that's that's cool because like we were just putting up some pictures um, a couple of days ago, and I tried to use some ARKit apps, and like it just it, it didn't feel very great. Like it, it just felt like it was a little bit janky. It was fine with floor stuff, but not with the not with the walls. 
right? Like it works, but not amazingly. So I'm happy yeah. to see them adding this in. I, I think this yeah. is a really, really excellent addition, which is yeah. going to enable many more experiences that way. I think so, especially when you consider like, I want to see what Apple does with this. Uh, I keep thinking that uh, ARKit mode in maps would be perfect, especially now that it can recognize signs. Uh, I could imagine like uh, like walking directions uh, with ARKit and you, maybe you want to double check, you want to confirm that you're making the right turn, you can point out a street sign or stuff like that. That would be cool. But I think before we see any new major uh, built-in ARKit modes that Apple takes Seriously, in iOS, I think we'll have to wait for ARKit 2 at least. So it, se it still seems like Apple is gathering feedback from developers to make ARKit better, to nail the basics, and then maybe eventually we'll see uh, some first-party Apple stuff in, uh, with ARKit in iOS uh, 12, I guess. I'm happy to see that they have updated this, they've put these changes in place before WWDC. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. That that like says a lot about ARKit, right? They want to make it better quickly. Uh, especially if you consider the, the there was a story a few weeks ago that um I think from Sensor Tower or some other analytics firm that it was phrased such as only X thousands apps are uh, support ARKit, but it was meant to sound like the adoption is not good enough. And so I don't know if Apple was, uh, you know, if, if that story pushed Apple to say, no, we're moving up some features in ARKit 1.5, but I don't think so. It's just a natural evolution of things. Uh, you know, Apple and Tim Cook seem to be really behind ARKit, so they have this aggressive schedule, it seems. And at this point, we, we could only speculate that ARKit 2 is coming at WWDC, uh, and it'll have horizontal and vertical surface recognition built in. So, um, you know, it's exciting. Uh, I, I still haven't, find, I haven't found a like the killer app for ARKit, you know, the app that I use every single day. So uh, I want to see I want to see what they do for version 2. Uh, something that I think we all could have expected is new and emoji. Uh, four new and emoji, a dragon, <laughs> a bear, yeah. a skull, and a lion uh, are being added to iOS 11.3. Um, I feel like that whilst this probably isn't going to drive a ton of people, it feels like this is just... Like how I, how a lot of people believe that emoji helps drive iOS, like iOS adoption rates. I'm sure that an emoji right. will will help, not to the same level, but like I expect there'll be some people that will will want to get the cute lion and emoji. Uh, so we'll update for that. The skull yeah. looks wicked though. Yeah, the skull is the new alien. It's crazy. It's, and it, but it looks better than the alien. It looks better. I like it. it does. I like it. It does. I like it. Yeah. Uh, business chat has been <laughs> Our enabled. Our favorite feature. <laughs> so yes. I don't think we need to talk about what business chat does because all sure? people need to do is go back and listen to episode 147 where Teachy mm. teached us all about it. Um, <laughs> oh, we haven't yes. done a Teachy teach us in a while, Mike. Well, because we need to wait for the next WWDC, right? Like that was the idea. Right. You were teaching us about all of the API enhancements <laughs> because I wasn't going to watch those session videos, uh, but you could. And then I felt like it was good. It was helping you get the thinking for the review done. So that will be uh, mm -hmm. after WWDC next year. We'll go back to Teach You Teachers for a bit. Unless you have anything specific right. like Taekwondo or something that you want to you want to like impart your knowledge onto the world. Oh, so we're branching out, branching out to different topics. Okay, okay, all right. I'll think it about depends. it. Depends if you got something. If there's something you really want to talk about, you, you can have the floor. Um, mm -hmm. But business chat 
it will be coming. Uh, is it coming with the release? Is that the plan? It's coming with the release as a beta still. So they're launching the beta with 11.3. But this is a beta for people, right? Like this, like people can, can yeah, use a public it. Where, one. Yes. Yeah, yes. right now it's like just for businesses to test their testing stuff. Yeah. Batteries and performance were called out specifically, um, but it seems like nothing is in the developer beta yet. What have Apple said will be in the batteries and performance section of 11.3? Um there will be two features. One is you will be able to check the health of your battery and get a message if it needs to be serviced. And this will be supported on iPhone models starting with the iPhone 6 up until mm-hmm. the latest ones, I think. Um, and the second feature is that you will be... Apple has a, has a whole sentence about this, but basically you will be able to turn off the throttling of your iPhone CPU if you don't want the feature. And uh, this will allow you to say, I don't care about unexpected shutdowns, I like to live dangerously, and I want to keep the option disabled. <laughs> um, and this will be supported on, the, on iPhone models from the iPhone 6 up until the iPhone 7 and 7 plus not on the latest ones the 8 and the and the 10 because they do not have throttling built in so uh two features uh not available today coming in a little beta and basically this is what tim cook said in an interview uh, because now tim cook leaks uh beta uh, features (laughs) two features for battery and performance uh yeah nine to five tim um (laughs) i i wonder like there isn't anything in here and i wonder if they're gonna add it like are you going to be notified that this is affecting you? Or do you have to go and look? It is not clear. It seems uh, uh, Apple does not mention uh, notifications. Uh, it would be the right thing to do, right? To tell people, hey, we noticed something in your battery and we're doing X. Mm-hmm. But also telling people is the first step to get people to you know get a battery a battery at a cheaper price because there's a discount uh, so I don't know if Apple wants to do notifications they should though because it's the right thing to do but there's no mention of this feature yet question for both of you if mm-hmm. for whatever reason this like starts to catch up and it ends up like halfway through a cycle this starts happening would you turn off the throttling or leave it on? <laughs> um, good I, question. I will leave it on. I, I do not want my iPhone to randomly shut down while I'm at the airport or at the yeah, gate or like, something. Do you want your iPhone to run slowly? Uh, how how much? That's my question. Like, see, I would turn message... it off and see, right? Like, I would want to see. Like, what is the difference on a daily basis? And so that's mm-hmm. how I would want to make my decision. But, like, yes. I would, like, 100% turn it off to see what it was like. And then, then make, kind of make my mind up. Yeah, I agree. I also, I never had a phone with the unexpected shutdown problem. Sylvia doesn't either. She She's on a, an iPhone 7. Uh I've heard from people who had this problem, so I would like to see and try what happens. I do, I do not expect the difference to be massive unless your your battery is really in a bad state. Um, and I don't think, because we change phones every year, I don't think we will ever be at that point, the three of us. So we can try. We can try to see what it's like. But like, Stephen, you, you like the fastest of fast machines now. I know that's your new thing in 2018, if you and your, your iMac Pro. Would you be able to live with a throttled iPhone? 
I, I agree with Federico. Having my phone shut off is way worse, which is why Apple made the right decision here. They just didn't tell anybody. <laughs> my my hope would be that they send a <laughs> notification, but I've talked to a lot of Apple Store employees from like all, all, they all email me, all of them, and uh, they're dying. Like they are, they are dying. They are being crushed by a wave of people who want oh, batteries. And so maybe, maybe I could see Apple doing notifications, but in like yeah. staggered releases, right? Like they they alert fifteen percent of users or whatever. I don't know, but I'm glad to see it's there. I think putting the 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 toggle in there. I understand why they're doing it politically, but I think that I would um, I would leave it safe and sound. But you know, I you know, it's the beauty of having a new phone every year. You're not going to be caught by that. I am very curious though if my wife's two year old iPhone SE is uh, going to be affected. I've not run Geekbench on it because I don't want to know. Because if once I know, then I have to go put a battery in it, and then I got to deal with the Apple Store. So I'm just letting her float along for now. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> um, what else have we got? So, health, health records. records. Yeah. What is this health records thing? Um, this is a, an initiative by Apple with select uh, medical institutions so far in the United States that basically um, if your uh, hospital or clinic, uh, they, they inter- if they integrate with Apple, so this is something that needs to be done at a technical and administrative level between Apple and these institutions. But if they support each other, essentially, Apple can read data from these institutions and the institutions can push data to, to the Apple service, you will be able to get your lab results, your allergies, your uh, upcoming uh, procedures, uh, this medical information synced in a uniform interface in the health app which is a new section called health records um there's a few apple has a list of the institutions that will support this feature when ios 11.3 launches uh, i think it's a great idea uh, especially because having you know having been in and out of hospitals uh in my you know for problems in the past um i know that uh, there's a lot especially i'm now i'm referring to italy but there's a lot of fragmentation uh, of you know oh, yeah. getting paper records printed out and somebody gives you a cd other people give you a document and then some people email you a PDF. <laughs> Other people print out the PDF, but it's a really bad quality. Um, so having this kind of unification would be amazing, especially because it's got encryption and passcode I'm access you, and all I'm that. I'm telling you, like I don't care what anyone says. When you go to those hospitals, they're still using the paper. Where like you get it right on your phone, which is great. But like I, I cannot imagine any medical institution not being horrifically behind the times, even if they've adopted something cool and fancy, right? They're like, oh yes, yes, we're just bringing up your records now, and like you're just sneaking a look at a piece of paper on the desk. <laughs> I honestly cannot see any hospital in Italy, not at least in the next fifteen years, adopting this protocol, unless Tim Cook becomes the president of Italy, and which, given our current situation. Situation would be ideal, I guess. Um, I do not see this coming to Italy anytime soon because I do not have any faith in our infrastructure. Uh, obviously, in the US, at these institutions uh, listed by Apple, the situations uh, the situation appear to, appears to be better. Uh, they are modern. They support uh, you know APIs and concepts like that. So that's awesome. Uh, there's a list in the Apple. Apple has a dedicated press release about this feature, and there will be more information information 
on a, on a web page that Apple, I think it's apple.com slash healthcare or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think it's great. I think it's, uh, you know, it's very consumer friendly. The, you, the interface looks really nice. You know, lab results and stuff like that does not look nice usually. Uh, so you get the integration with health and you get the, the integration with health kit and you get a nice polished design, which is not something that we can usually say for, uh, you know, medical records. Uh, so, um, I'm happy to see this. I know it's never going to be available in Italy. So uh, it's also kind of weird to say, I wish I could use this because no, I do not <laughs> wish I could use this, but it looks nice. I would I would like to see this open up at some point. So right now there's like a dozen or so hospitals and clinics around the US that they're supporting. I would like for it to be something that, you know, other groups could opt into or even give users the tool the tools to enter data, right? So things like prescriptions or things like, you know, what um, uh, vaccinations do I have? That sort of thing. Giving some framework within HealthKit to uh, to keep up with that myself, right? Because, you know, I'm not in one of those 12 or 15 hospitals. I don't have anything seriously wrong. But just for that everyday kind of stuff, it would be nice if health uh, the health app could be a little more flexible as far as what it holds. And so I, I hope this is the beginning of a, a larger push to make digital health records more accessible to everybody, not just those who happen to be at these partner hospitals. And not mentioned by Apple in the public release, but in the developer beta notes and such, iMessages or messages in iCloud is back. Yeah, it is. Back from um, the dead. I am telling you, Mike, I'm looking at it right now because my small iPad Pro just updated to 11.3. This is not my main one. This is the secondary one. I still feel, though, that like messages in iCloud feels like just a not good thing to enable on your main iCloud account. Like Um, I would be really concerned about that one. I had, I personally had a great experience when it was in beta. Oh, of course, because you've already done it. I mean, you had to just do it again. Why not? <laughs> I've already done it. it I, personally, I know that a lot of people had problems. It was really great for me. I loved the feature because I didn't have to delete, you know, messages to, you know, the same set of threads and conversations was in sync between devices. It was great. But now I'm looking at it. There's two things that jump out at me. Um, when you launch it, there's a splash screen. And for some reason, in the in the first beta of 11.3, you cannot take screenshots of setup pages anymore. You know, when you get the, the onboarding splash screen, <laughs> you cannot take a screenshot of that. They're preventing um, against you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll take a photo, whatever. Well, that's uh, what you don't know, though. They're using uh, Coromel to black out the photo. It's, sure, it's very, sure. very impressive stuff. Um, the, also, the this is probably a minor detail. But the the uh, there's a the logo, you know, right? Um, it's a, the I'm the messages icon, but it's in a different shape than the normal app icon on the home screen. It kind of looks like the shape from iOS six before iOS seven. Um, so been, I don't know. It's been in development for a long time. Turns out uh, either either this is a mistake or uh, somebody has a sense of uh, you know uh, it's a throwback to the days of iOS six or Apple is experimenting with the new design language, which is the of course the you know the the uh, conspiracy theory that I like to go with. This mm-hmm. is the new shape of icons. I don't think so, but it's funny to mention. Uh, so I just turned it on, and it's. Uh, 
yeah, it's doing nothing. Um, <laughs> no, but if I... I've had a weird bug recently on my uh, 12.9-inch iPad where messages just go out of order, like just on their own. Oh, yeah. Like they're yep. just... Like I'm sending a message to somebody and I send it, then they reply, but their reply is before the message that I sent. And it's yes. the only way to fix it is rebooting. It's yeah. really weird. The update yesterday addressed that. Oh, really? I believe. Excellent. Yeah. I think it was in the notes. Because right, I, so, I ran the update, but I haven't experienced that problem today. I guess that's why. But okay, that's good to know that, that, was a, that that's been fixed. That has been very frustrating recently. Well, it's, uh, it's uploading um, stuff to oh, iCloud, gosh. it seems. Oh, gosh. Um, I enabled the toggle in the iCloud settings, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I assume it's doing something. I don't see a progress bar. But anyway, it's, uh, it's back. It's here. Uh, and from the wording of the release notes, the way that Apple phrased it, it seems like they are evaluating the feature in the current beta of 11.3. To see, so, if, it, see if the work they've done has fixed the, whatever problems they were yeah, having, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that we want to see in in this release that either we probably are not going to get, we think we're not going to get, or we might get, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what what is the type of yes. stuff that we're hoping is actually in the shipping 11.3 that maybe hasn't been spoken about today? I would love to get uh, your uh, the, the idea for keyboard shortcuts that you brought up on Cortex last year with CGP Grey about uh, being able to... to send uh, results from Spotlight uh, to Split View or Slide Over. I would love to mm-hmm. get those keyboard shortcuts, but uh, I'm checking now. There's Keyboard no... shortcuts for opening apps in Split View. Yeah, that would be nice. There, but... there is no keyboard shortcut. So You could, you could put that in the, in the full release and I'd be happy. Um, I want to see uh, Apple Pay Cash come outside yes. of the US. Yes. Yeah. Um, that's not something that they need to beta test, right? Like That could still conceivably be in 11.3. Um, so I, I, that's what I hope to see. Steven, is there anything that you want? Dark mode. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be, you're going to be one of those people. Is there yeah. dark mode in this? <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I tried to be constrained. Did they change the whole UI in a point, in a point three beta? Did they, did they do that? Yeah, do- I, I, I- <laughs> <laughs> Does it have dark mode? <laughs> then, if they don't, I'll oh, just keep it. I don't want it. All right. I think it's, it's time that we evaluate ios 11 and high sierra it's uh Mm. it's been about six months why don't we do that but before that let me take a moment to thank our final sponsor for this week's episode and that is timing the automatic time tracking app for mac os in today's fast-moving world the next distraction is right around the corner this makes it harder and harder to make sure that you're keeping on track of your projects and also to actually determine how much time you've really spent working every day. That is why you need an app to help you stay on top of your time, but manual time tracking interrupts your workflow and is easy to lose track of. This happens to me all the time. I sat down this morning um, and I had been working on something for 15 hours. Uh, That wasn't correct. So this is a thing that like with manual time tracking stuff, you can get into some problems because you can, if you forget, to turn it off, it will just keep going until you're done. That is why timing is different, because timing automates your time tracking to save you as much time as possible. First, it automatically tracks how much time you're spending on your Mac, broken down by app, website, and document. But that's a ton of data to work through, so timing lets you drag and drop to create rules that automatically categorize your time. So, for example, if I'm in Google Docs in the connected sheet 
then I can say that's podcast preparation. And it, you can, even that minutely, you can set up the categories. It's really, really amazing. Timing also understands that not all of your work happens when you're on your Mac. That's why it automatically suggests to fill gaps in your timeline so you never forget to track a meeting or a phone call. It can even automatically ask you what you did when you return so it's never a case of you having to remember to do it. You just get prompted to do it. Timing is a great app. It's under constant development. It looks fantastic. Its reports are awesome. It really is fantastic. If you sit and spend time in front of your Mac every day, this is a really, really awesome way to get into time tracking. Timing's so confident that you're going to love their fuss-free approach. They offer a totally free trial. You can download the 14-day trial by going to timingapp.com connected. That's timingapp.com connected. And you'll save 10% when you purchase via that link. Timing. Stop worrying about time and focus on doing your best work instead. We thank Timing for their support of this show. So, we're doing a review. Let's look at... What do you want to start with? Should we start with iOS or do you want to start with High Sierra? Let's start with the Mac. I think it's... Uh, I think I want to hear from Stephen about High yeah. Sierra. Yeah. So, how's High Sierra going for you, Stephen? So this came to mind for me when I got an email from somebody a couple of weeks ago complaining about the headline I used for a High Sierra story. It may have even been my review saying that High Sierra is sort of this generation's snow leopard moment. And I think that's what that's how I felt when I reviewed High Sierra. The beta process was very smooth for me across multiple Macs, clean installs, installs over old versions of Mac OS. I do my homework, which is why I told this person. It's like, it was fine. Um, it has been the last couple of months since it's been out where I think High Sierra has fallen from that high praise. We've had lots of security issues. We all, we all remember the root login deal. There was a problem just that was just fixed this week where anyone could unlock the app store system preference, which is not a, a huge deal, but... That should not be possible. It's an embarrassing bug. It is. Uh, And there's still UI server problems for users with certain uh, graphics cards, especially in older iMacs. It's been buggy. And it's been an OS that I think has not lived up to what I hoped it would have been. And I think, honestly, how Apple pitched it. I think Apple didn't say it's the new Snow Leopard, but the language they used was meant for Mac fans to feel that way. And I don't think it's lived up to that. Um, just today as we're recording, there's news that macOS server is being depreciated in the spring. That There's only going to be four services out of the 20 that remain. Uh, what does that mean? worrisome if you use macOS server. Like what, what, I, I, what do people use macOS server for? I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I don't know. So, so for instance, if you have it in your office and you have your company's contacts and calendar shared on a macOS server, that's going away. Wow. If you use it for mail server, if you use it for caching stuff, that's all that's all going when away. When was macOS server last significantly updated? With Sierra. They didn't even rev it this year with High Sierra. I mean, that's not a long time then to start deprecating no. things. I would I thought no. you was gonna say like ten point nine or something. No. They're saying uh uh, in spring of 28. Now this news is just breaking, like as we've been recording. So I've just glanced at it. But in spring of 2018, macOS server, most of it will be depreciated. So no calendar contacts, network stuff, mail, net install, Oof. a bunch of other stuff is going away. Um, so I think that Mac users are frustrated by High Sierra. If they, you know, 
if you're kind of a pro user. There's a lot of stuff that's still broken under the hood in places. And uh, I think it's just a little disappointing that a release that was promised to be really focused on polish and fixing little bugs has introduced lots of little bugs and some not so little bugs like whatever the hell broke with root login like something is clearly very broken with authentication in this os and i don't think apple's fixed it all the way yet at least uh, as of last week when yet another system preference login issue was discovered so uh APFS hasn't shipped for Fusion Drive owners. Like, there's just a lot of stuff that hasn't landed with 10.13 that I think is, um, I think is frustrating. So, like, all in all, like, I'm running High Sierra on my iMac Pro. Obviously, I have to. I'm running it on my 2015 MacBook Pro. My wife's running it on her 2015 MacBook. Like, it's fine, but it just doesn't live up to what Apple, um, Apple had promised. And I'm not one to blow the the Mac is doomed horn as loudly as others, but it is a little concerning that their their desktop OS seems to be languishing a little bit. And so I, I hope that moving forward from High Sierra, if we're going to stay on the stupid annual release cycle, that they really have a release out that really does live up to what they say it, it will do. And uh, so, yeah, so kind of, it's not thumbs down, like you should run it, you know, um, if you can, but it's not, it hasn't been, I think what a lot of us kind of felt we were promised it would be. Do you think that maybe like they just didn't have a lot to put in high Sierra? So they were just like, Oh, bugs fixes. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know what you put in Mac OS at this point because the thing is so mature, right? and really, if you look over the last, like, so I've been reviewing Mac, o- Mac OS releases since Mountain Lion. If you look at the ones I've reviewed, most of the features, like the bulk of the features added in that time period of the last five or six years have been iOS features that Apple has glued onto the Mac to make things work better together. Except for Linen. That was a terrible decision. But except for Linen, you know, a lot of the stuff, handoff and um, a lot of the iCloud stuff, all that is to make the Mac play better with its iOS cousins. And so that's really where the innovation has been on the Mac for a long time. And that's fine. They should continue to do that because like, I want it to be more seamless to move from my iPad to my Mac to my phone and back again. I want that to be as seamless as possible. I really do. But past that, I just don't know what there is to uh, to add to it. That's why I'm not in charge of Mac OS software. Your your driving instructor is. But um, so I don't know. Like I, I just feel, I sit here thinking about this feeling sort of, Sort of just not forgotten about, not even angry about it, but just sort of vaguely disappointed. Let me try and lighten the mood a little bit uh, with some iOS 11 stuff. Uh, I want to talk about multitasking on the iPad. Yeah, okay. Um, (laughs) I have 100% internalized the new multitasking system. Yes. Uh, It is not a difficult thing for me. Uh, I don't struggle with it. Frankly, I consider the multitasking system on iOS 11 to be a vast overall improvement. Um, There are places where I think that Apple can and will 
uh, adapt the system. Like it would be really great to have multiple pairs of apps. So, you know, you can you can have Safari and Notes together, but then you can also have Safari and Chrome together and they don't mm-hmm. get all upset and confused, right? You can, it, there will be a way in multitasking for you to pick between them. I think there would be an interesting way to do that. I think that's a possibility. But having the base ability to be able to work with two apps plus slide over has made significant changes to my workflows on iOS. Um, I don't switch between apps as much as I used to because in most instances, I never need more than three applications to, to do a specific task. Uh, I really like it. I've gotten very used to it. I know how it works. And I feel like a like an orchestra conductor sometimes when I'm opening <laughs> apps and moving them around the screen. And like I have my own little, um, you know, you kind of, if you use something for a while, you end up like, you find your own little funny rubber chicken moment. Like I'm trying to think of an example before I give my actual example where like <laughs> a pre-example. So, but so I can contextualize it a little bit like for let's imagine that. And you know what? I can't think of anything. So I'll just say what I do. So when you drag an icon out of the dock, you kind of have to hold it for a moment over an app for it to like make its gesture to show you that it's going to land on the right hand side. Right. Like so it kind of like expands the box. So, you know, it's going to go in the right place when I'm doing that. I kind of wiggle it over the application because like in my mind, it's like, ah, this will speed it up. And I can think of another one now. This is like how uh, when you're trying to airdrop something to someone, you tap on the airdrop icon, but it doesn't actually do anything. Like you're just tapping on it and waiting for the person to come up and then you hit them, right? So it's just like a thing in your mind where you're like, I'm making this go quicker by doing this, but you're not actually doing that. But that's just a funny little thing that I like because I really like the system. I think it's awesome. Uh, I like being able to move apps around from the left pane to the right pane. Um Overall, like the dock, the dock is incredible. The dock was such a fantastic addition to iOS. Um, it, it really is awesome. Dragging things out of spotlight, like multitasking for me personally has given me basically everything that I wanted uh, and a bunch of things that I never even imagined I would get when compared to the iOS 9 and iOS 10 version of multitasking on iOS. I have to agree with, with everything you say. I recently did... Uh, my entire uh, taxis for the past year entirely on my iPad. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> and unlike in previous years where I would have to basically open my Mac out in frustration because it was basically impossible, uh, through a combination of split view and uh, a workflow that I made for this and using iCab, which is a third-party browser that allows you to download stuff unlike Safari. Um, but really, thanks to SlideOver and Split View and the dock and the new drag-and-drop stuff and files, I was able to do the entire thing, you know, bookkeeping and collecting expenses and res- uh, receipts and sending all the data to my accountant. And, you know, we have a Trello board now, so that was also awesome because I can automate that with workflow. Um, it was it was great. How and did you convince your accountant to sign up for Trello? That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was one of my uh, most uh, important and uh, impressive accomplishments of 2017 getting my accountant on Trello and convincing them that my way of organizing receipts was the way to go and uh, 
yeah, I'm really happy about that. Also, uh, I made a workflow that I that I shared with Mike and Stephen and John for converting uh, currencies. It, it was a whole setup, but really, the gist of this is um, thanks to iOS 11 and all the multitasking features, um, I now can do entirely on my iPad Pro what before used to take me several hours on a MacBook. Now, I'm sure that People who use a Mac can do this stuff faster but and all that. We've been here before. But I would say iOS 11 on the iPad is the best um, iPad experience I've ever had. Um, it's not... There's still things I would like to see. Um, and it's not perfect, whatever perfect, perfection is. Um, but uh, practically speaking, there's a few bugs that I want to point out. Um, more than ever in iOS 11, I seem to be getting iTunes password prompts, iTunes huh. store password prompts almost yeah. on a daily basis. Uh, my theory is that this happens for apps that deal with checking in-app purchase receipts, you know, over the API in a strange way. I don't know how to define in a strange way, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that's the case. Uh, some apps that do some weird things with checking whether you previously bought an in-app purchase or not. Uh, receipt validation, I think that's the name. Um, also, it, it appears to be happening if you have a test flight beta that is using that is uh, asking you to uh, unlock the subscriptions or in-app purchases for free. iTunes just goes crazy in iOS 11 for that. Um, the keyboard uh, the on, on iPad, sometimes this is something that I've noticed in I, on iOS 11.2. Sometimes when I switch apps with the command tab switcher and when I go back to the previous app, my, the keyboard, whether it's a smart keyboard or a Bluetooth one, cannot type anymore. Uh, cannot type letters anymore. It can just type punctuation. Now, I'm not sure if this is just my <laughs> iPad, but basically I want to write a sentence and instead it's just a bunch of commas and periods, which is inconvenient. And it's also... That's not good. It used to be better with, well, when I was using a smart keyboard because all I needed to do was just to lift my iPad, break the connection, and then place the iPad down again. With the Bluetooth uh, bridge keyboard, I need to press and hold, turn off Bluetooth on the keyboard, and turn it on again. Um, the smart connector. Yeah, that seems. Yeah, the, the keyboard stuff seems buggy. Yes, I've run into that yes. a bunch. And the the best part of the because I use this the smart keyboard cover deal, and the best part is it's really hard to do that quietly because the magnets yank the keyboard <laughs> against the spine of the iPad. Like I've woken my spouse up trying to do that. It's like, what is that noise? Like, uh, my my OS doesn't work. I'm really sorry. So sorry. Uh, and I, I also I want to mention um, the smart connector. As I said, it's real buggy. Um, I don't know what is going on, but it seems to be software. I think uh, Steve Throughton Smith, of course, did some digging a few days ago, a few weeks ago, actually on Twitter. Um, and a lot of my friends, I should mention this because otherwise my friends are going to be upset if I do not bring up, as they say, the problems with the iPhone on my Apple radio show. This is what they call it. Um, there, there are. <laughs> it's like you're the only one that can fix this stuff. Yes, right? you have to bring uh, the opinions to the masses. I tell you what, a few few weeks ago, a friend of mine he texts me on WhatsApp and he's like, uh, "Teachy, I have an idea for iOS," uh, oh. and I'm like, "What? What, what is that?" Uh, and it was uh, something about um, being able to switch the icon for the battery percentage on the iPhone 10. 
I was like, you know, this is actually a good idea uh, the, uh, because, you know, a lot of people miss the fact that at a glance you cannot see the battery percentage. So my friend had this idea for a setting and he was like, you should tell this to Apple. And I was like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't work this way. I can talk about it. I can I can maybe mention this in, in a story. But if they add, because he was under the impression that if they if I bring this up and I say my friend, you know, um, team uh, team I don't know what's a, what's a common name team Hackett and let's say it's, uh, my friend team Hackett uh, he, he thought he was gonna have credit. In the iOS release notes mm. for a feature, no. uh, so awesome. this is not this is not how it works. Anyway, um, my friends think that uh, iOS 11 is really buggy for downloading photos from iCloud Photo Library because the whether it's a photo or a video, it tends to be slower or uh, just give you the exclamation point error more often than before on iOS 10. I noticed that. I had that problem. See? See? Okay. B- so, which is yeah. why I switched to uh, downloading my entire library. I have a big phone, uh, but it was really oh, annoying. So it's real. Okay. Yeah, so it's I, a real I thing. I had this. I, and I was getting really concerned that my photos were lost because I had optimized storage on and but I would go to a photo from like three weeks ago and it would have the exclamation mark on it. And... It was like, what on earth is going on? So I looked at how many, like I have like 80 gigs of photos or whatever in my iCloud photo library. So I was like, screw it, I'm downloading them all. So that's what yeah, I do that's now. what I'm doing now. I I guess I didn't notice because yeah, I, have, I have 256 gigs uh, iPhone 10. Yeah. It just felt like a wasted space like for me to, to, to use it, right? I was like, oh, well, I have iCloud <laughs> photo library. Like it's all there. But then, but then when, you have 100 gigs free on your phone. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, whatever. Like it's just I don't need to. My thinking was like I don't need to have all my, phone, my, my photos on my device because I can just download them ad hoc. But it wasn't working very well on iOS 11. So I did yeah. it and Adina does it too. So she, she, she has a big phone now. So she downloads all of her photos as well. Yeah, so it seems like something weird is happening. I think uh, you also want to mention something that you do not like, Mike. I know that it's a, an exception from your year of positivity, which uh, lasts until June. But June. we can talk about I, bugs. I'll say, like you know, I have I I have still general positivity, but of course there are things that I don't yes. like. You know, like the yes. HomePod. I don't like the HomePod, and I don't. I think that Files app can be a hot mess, even though I love it. <laughs> um, I mm. have a real love hate relationship with Files because Files makes my work so much easier until it doesn't. Uh, and and this is something that I am struggling with a lot, right? Like, this application is amazing, like what it can do when it wants to work. There are two things that Files does that make me want to just pick up my iPad and just, just chuck it straight out of the window. Uh, it forgets my favorites. I don't know why. And then just sometimes I pop back in again, like halfway through my, like I'm scrolling through this long list in Dropbox, and then my favorites appear again, my favorite file of like folders that I want to access. Uh, but the worst one is when it straight up refuses to download files. So I'm trying to access a file that is like 1.5 meg and the spinner just starts spinning and it won't work and nothing will download until I reboot my iPad. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know whose fault this is. Like, I don't know if this is Dropbox's fault. I don't know if it's Apple's fault. 
but I'm going to lay the blame on Apple <laughs> because I can go to the Dropbox <laughs> app and download them immediately. So if it's something about the implementation from Dropbox's side, then Apple needs to make it easier for Dropbox, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, I don't care what it is you have to do, make it work for them. Because I feel like recently I have been using the Dropbox app more and more. And like, then, because then, then the problem is, right? I want to attach a, a, something to uh, an email. I want a, a file in Dropbox. I want to attach it to an email. So I open up the file picker and then it starts spinning and I can't do anything with it, right? So I close it. Then I go to Dropbox and realize, oh, well, this isn't the root because I can't take this file from Dropbox anymore because I can't access a Dropbox file picker because I have the files app. So I have to go to Dropbox save the file to iCloud Drive, then go back what? to my email app and attach it from iCloud Drive because there's no way for me to get to Dropbox unless it's through the Files app. So if the Files app is refusing to download the file, I have to move the file to iCloud Drive. It's like, whoa, so frustrating. But when Files works... It is like a completely new world on iOS yeah. where I am able to get so much more done, so much more efficiently. Like I'm dragging stuff all over the place. I'm like moving things from, from location to location. I have like iCloud Drive as like this little scratch area. But then when I want to save a file, I just drag it into Dropbox. Like it's awesome. It's like agnostic to the services that I use. They all mix in together and it works brilliantly. And that's why it's annoying when it breaks because when it works, it's all I wanted. But when it breaks, it's like you're all you're doing is showing me how bad it used to be, right? And it's even worse than that because I can't get to the Dropbox file picker. Uh, so yeah, that's my frustration. That's my biggest frustration with yeah. iOS 11 is the Files app. Yeah, and th and that's something. I mean, this is a bigger topic than just today. But say that the Files app like structurally is okay, but it's got bugs. You shouldn't have to wait a year. For them to fix that, but you're going to because that's well, I, how they work. I don't know. And I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, it's better in eleven point three. It it genuinely might be. Like I don't I don't know. It may be. It may be. But it feels like those big those big issues just get kicked down the road sometimes. It does for the iPad anyway. Yeah, yeah, with the iPad, and so that that can be. Uh, that can be frustrating. My experience with the Files app is very similar to yours. I was so excited. I was like, I can. Because so much of my work is file-based, and I was excited to be able to bring some of that onto my iPad. And it's been so frustrating because everything I use is in Dropbox that I've I've just kind of given up on it. And I, the, the Dropbox app is on my dock, and the Files app isn't because the Dropbox app works. And that means i got to jump through some extra hoops. But I refuse to give up because the Files app is so good when it works. So like I, I won't allow myself to give up on it because it's so much better than having the Dropbox app when it works and it does work most of the time but the problem is, is that when it doesn't work it breaks so badly that you don't forget it mm. right like um, one other thing and this isn't really um this isn't something that i feel is a complaint but it's just uh something that i've noticed and i'm sure we all have now that we're not just six months into ios 11 but we are like three months, four months into the iPhone 10, I think the iPhone 10 is really showing that iOS needs to be rethought in a bunch of places. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I guess the assumption always would be, and 
that this will come in iOS 12. And, and I expect Apple to, to, to show this in iOS 12 that like, I think control center and the multitasking gestures, they could be better. Um, I feel like that they've done what they can considering how iOS 11 was, you know, like, and, and I think that they could make some changes there and I believe they will. Uh, overall placement of key app elements. I think Apple needs to show some new stuff on that um, and kind of lead the way with some new paradigms and some new ideas for how navigation and stuff should work on iPhones now that they're going to be taller and bigger, especially if we do get an iPhone 10 Plus, which will basically, like the screen, will be the biggest screen any human's ever touched, is my assumption. Um, and the use of color and darkness, I think that Apple should be showing... Uh, what the OLED screen can do. I think they have far too much white in their applications and that is the exact opposite of what you should be doing uh, on an OLED screen. So these are things that I didn't expect and I don't expect to be in iOS 11, but these are things that I expect to be addressed in iOS 12. But when we're kind of looking at how iOS 11 is running, um, this this has been some glaring things for me is, is just like that the iPhone 10 feels... I don't know. It feels like the last iPhone that will use iOS in the way that it looks like right now, I guess. Um, that, that's kind of how I feel on that one. Yeah, I totally agree. Is there anything else on your mind for iOS 11, Federico? I mean, I mentioned the multitasking and the files app. I agree with you. Really, at this point, I just want to see um, how the multitasking vision grows. Um, I'm happy so far. I'm really happy with iOS 11 so far. Um, I'm starting to feel some of that confusion uh, that you mentioned in, you know, the differences between using iOS 11 on the phone versus on the iPad. I'm starting to feel uh, to feel that okay. in daily usage. Um, so some consistency, but also not just making things more consistent, but still keeping the iPad on a growth path going forward to bring in new enhancements, bring in new features and make really make the iPad more friendly when used with the keyboard and maybe add new gestures. Uh, I just want to see more options um, for pro users because it's right there in the name. It's an iPad Pro. So I would love to see more pro interactions with the software. Um, I'm quite happy so far, which is strange because usually, you know, at this point I have a whole long list of wishes and ideas and problems. Not this time, uh, which tells me that I'm happier than usual with iOS. This is the best. This is probably the best iPad iOS release ever. Oh, yeah. There, I think there are people that will disagree with it. I disagree with those people, right? Like, I, I think that this is the best <laughs> that it's ever been. Um, and I understand, like, if big sweeping changes turn you off the system, I get that, right? Like, and, and that is totally valid. But there will always be big changes. One day, there'll probably be some kind of change that will make me feel uncomfortable about something. But I think with working on iOS is better than it's ever been. Um, and And... Yeah, that's my opinion on that. And I think what's exciting about it is it doesn't feel like a dead end. The way like iOS nine, that that app, the multitasking stuff, the app switcher, and the that all felt sort of like this is what it is. But it was it was hard to imagine where it could go from there. Yeah, well, I, I think that when iOS ten rolled around, then it felt like the dead end, right? Like iOS nine was like, oh, new world. 
god, imagine. And then like iOS 10 came around, we nothing changed, and then it was like, well, this is how it is forever. Like, what changes can they make? But even if 12 doesn't bring a lot of changes, it, it feels like okay, like the files app could become a lot more. This this multitasking paradigm could become a lot more. It feels like they're in a much better place to uh, to move forward from than they, they've ever been. And so I'm excited about now, and I agree with you, but I'm also excited about what it could become because it, it feels so solid now. Mm-hmm. It does. I agree. So I think that's it. Oh, I got I to close the show now. Yep. That's, that's a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> so let's see what we have to do. Uh, if you want to find show notes... This week, relay.fm slash connected slash 177. You can get in touch with us there. There's an email link. That just comes to me. So, you know, be nice. Send, send, me, uh, send me a picture of uh, something something nice, and uh, I'll, I'll email you back. This is already something new in the, in the Hacker era. I never spoke about the email. Yeah. I do it in my other shows. I get a lot of show email. It's fun. It's way better than Twitter because Twitter just goes by and it's gone forever. Mm. But if you want to find us on Twitter, you can do that. Federico is there as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Mike is there as I-Mike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find me there as I-S-M-H. Thanks to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Pingdom, and Timing. And until next week, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Adios. No, no! (laughs) Everything is wrong. (laughs) I guess that's how it works now.